Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, I'm not sure there's a whole lot more that maybe I need to say, because y'all said it so well. Um, we, we grow. We, we show God's love. We have a good time. And everybody really does have a part. Everybody plays a part. Serving really isn't just a task or a labor that Christians feel put upon to do. Even, even non-Christians can experience the joy of serving and helping others, but there's, there's even, even more and in, in a, in a deeper meaning going on for Christ's followers than just basic joy or feeling good about helping others, although even those are, are great. Uh, serving really does connect us to the very heart of God, as we see so clearly in Jesus himself. Last week we talked about the inherent value each of us discovers in connecting with others to experience the gift of community because God himself is connected, is community, as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And likewise, when we serve, it, it isn't just doing good although it it certainly is, but it expresses the very nature of God himself in whose image you and I have been created. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So if we're created in God's own image, and that's a faith statement, I understand that, You have to decide, but if you believe that the Bible is true and what it says about us is is true, then if we are in fact created in God's own image, then when we live and act as he created us to live, we are coming closest to his perfect design and plan for our lives. It's not about he's calling us to do stuff weird. He in fact is calling us to be exactly whom he created us to be. And the best picture of that that you and I get to see is in Jesus, the very Son of God. And Jesus himself said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's inherent in his very nature as God the Son to serve. And we're created in that same image in that same way. Yeah, it may go against sometimes how we feel we want to live. But that's often because sin is at work in our lives, corrupting what was originally good, what God originally intended for each one of us that drives us to really kind of be self-serving. But the Bible tells us that we were created for so much So much more than that. It says in Philippians chapter 2, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus did this for us, for for all people. Not all of us recognize it, but he did it for all because he came to serve and not to be served. 
And he says, we are to have that same attitude. And at the core of of why Jesus did it, the the reason is love. Love made him do it. Uh, he, he, He can't not love because that's the very nature of who God is. In 1 John uh, and we'll be looking at a study of this starting in September. It says, whoever does not love doesn't know God because God is love. And it's not that love defines God. It is that God himself defines what is love. We're created to also then live this way, to love, because we're created in God's image. And this, and this love isn't just expressed vertically to God through worship like what we've been doing in the first 30 minutes of our time here together this morning. It's also expressed horizontally to people around us. And, and Jesus was explicit about this as well in what we call the great commandment, which in fact comes out of two commandments found in the Old Testament. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And love means to accept someone for who they are and to work sacrificially for their good. And serving is a part of this action of loving our neighbor. If you want to know, how do I love my neighbor? You serve them. You serve, as Jesus tells us to do. And of course, it's easy for us to try to weasel around this, maybe by waffling, well, who's my neighbor? Is is it my family? Is it my my immediate neighbors, where I live? Uh, You know, is it just... My coworkers are, are those the ones that I'm supposed to love? And Jesus encountered this very question when he was talking with a Jewish law expert who, who clearly thought that there were limits on, on who he and probably many of us are called to love and serve. That, that same law expert in, in the Gospel of Luke quotes the great commandment to Jesus, what we just read. It wasn't like it had never been heard before. But he had a very legalistic, very limited view of who he was called to love as a neighbor. In other words, yes, I understand I'm supposed to love, and I'm supposed to love my neighbor. The question becomes then, who's my neighbor? And it tells us in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 29, it says, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. As I was looking at this week, it struck me, as, as it does when I'm reading Scripture, when I'm looking at Scripture, I think how, it's amazing how often the Holy Spirit brings something to mind that had not been on my mind, that I had not thought about prior to it. That, that, that phrase, justify his actions, what does that mean? As I thought about it, to me, it means not starting from the point of convictions and beliefs, In other words, what is it rock solid that I choose to embrace and trust no matter how I'm feeling, but in fact, what is typical for me or what is convenient for me or what do I typically do as I live my life? How how do I go through my day, day in and day out? And and, and instead of looking at that and, and saying, I need to ground my actions, my thoughts, my beliefs in what I what I fundamentally believe, I'm gonna try to rationalize what I do to fit what I believe. 
Guys, that's a, that's, I, I know I've done it, and I suspect probably all of us have done it very, very, at various times. That's the danger we all face as we choose to follow Christ. We've gotten used to thinking and seeing and doing things a certain way, and we become comfortable with this unexamined life. That it's okay. That what I'm, I'm a Christian, or I grew up in the church, or I've been going to church for a while, so what I'm doing must be okay. It must be good enough. The problem is that we can get very comfortable and still be way off God's mark and design. I mean, this is, this is critically important. The reason that we go back and we ground everything about life and living back into the Bible, back into God's Word, is that we want to go back to the source himself, to God himself, to understand what's important and how we're to live. Not just because I think so, not just because the poll, the latest poll says this is what people are doing, not because this is even convenient or it's the way we've always done it. But what does God say? Going back all the way to Genesis chapter 3, which is two chapters after we learn God created us in his own image. Chapter 3, where we experience the fall because Satan, as the serpent, gets Adam and Eve to question God and, and go with what they wanted or what they felt versus what God said to do. And that story to me is so powerful because I believe it gets played out in my life and probably all of our lives all the time. The story of Genesis chapter 3 is not set some, in some distant past. It's as real and as current as right now. When do we justify our actions to do what we want to do versus what God says we need to do? Today is no different. We all still fall on the trap, which is why it's so important for us to spend time like this grounding our beliefs, grounding our actions in what is true versus what is convenient or easy or what we've always done or what my family does or what I prefer to do. See, this, this legal expert that, that Jesus is talking to here is a powerful and dangerous picture of how so many of us live unexamined lives. And then we wonder why we're not experiencing God's best. Yes, we, life may be going along okay, but every once in a while you'll hear somebody up here tell a story like a couple weeks ago, James Huckabee or somebody else, and they'll talk about some things and you wonder, why haven't I experienced that? Why, why isn't that a part of my life? That's because there are things that are getting in the way of that. And so we understand that we're here as a church to, to lift up not only a picture of the way God intends for us to live, but also how he helps us then live that way. Our mission here is to lead everyday people, that's all of us, including people who've never walked through our doors, everyday people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And to do that, we've developed a, a description of a fully devoted follower of Christ that is also a prescription about, uh, of how we're to live to become that fully devoted follower. And, and while it's not everything, we believe that a fully devoted follower of Christ will commit to following Jesus Christ, connect with one another, be in community with one another, 
serve my church and serve my world and share the good news. And today we're looking at that third description, that third prescription, because they're both serve my church and serve my world, because it's the intentional action you and I have to take to live the way God created us to live. Serving is putting love into action, which is what God did when he sent Jesus himself to not only show us how to live, but also to take upon himself the punishment that we deserved for our sins through his death on the cross. In Luke 10, Jesus is is facing this legal expert who's trying to justify his actions, as we as many of us at least all too often do too. And Jesus tells a story that we've come to know as the Good Samaritan to kind of clarify to this expert who our neighbor is. Who are we to love? Whom are we to serve? You may know the story, but I listed it in your notes, the scripture references there, if that helps. But the story says a Jewish man has been attacked by robbers and left half dead alongside the road. Two Jewish Religious leaders come along, a a priest and a Levite, but they both walk by. They don't help. And and Jews who would have been hearing this story would have understood that there there were reasons, Jewish ritualistic reasons, why they would not stop to help that would make them unclean or unable to serve, and they saw their need to serve and, and their responsibilities to be greater than that of this man. But then Jesus says, a Samaritan comes along. Now, Samaritans were looked down upon because hundreds of years before, they had been the Jews as well. But through a series of events, they had become interbred with other nations, and their Jewish faith had become syncretistic. It had had taken on elements of other kinds of faith. It wasn't wasn't often just the pure Jewish faith as the people understood it. And so they were were considered second-class people. They were considered by the Jews enemies. So the fact that Jesus would talk about a Samaritan coming by really kind of catches people's attention, but he really shocks them when he says this second-class man stops and helps his enemy. He doesn't just bandage him up. He actually spends money, effort, time, all that kind of stuff, taking him to an end where he can continue to be cared for. He sacrifices. And remember our definition of love is accepting someone for who they are and working sacrificially. He sacrifices time, energy, and resources for the sake of this man who considered him his enemy. That's love. In action. And then says, Jesus asked, Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the religious leader replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. And in fact, Jesus is telling him, He's telling us, there's no limit. Who is our neighbor? It's anyone with whom we are in a position to help and serve and love. And this is so important because it also shows us that love isn't bounded by feelings or even what's deserved. But but it's it's not just that we're supposed to do this. There's really a there's a whole deeper aspect of this in that we are the ones already receiving love. 
We are the, we are the ones. There are times when you and I have acted horribly to God, when we have not loved his people, not loved him, not obeyed him, done things, all kinds of things, and it would be easy for God to turn himself away from us, to say the heck with you, and go on. But the point of his love is that it goes beyond feelings or traditions or convenience. This story of the Good Samaritan shows us that this love of God extends to those who would even seem to be our enemies. Because in fact, that's who we are. That's what's so radical about Christianity. Because of our sins, we have made ourselves enemies of God. Do we really want God to treat us as we deserve? The Bible says the, the punishment for sin is death. Because we have played fast and loose with, with our relationship with him, looking the other way, pretending he, what he says doesn't apply to us in every circumstance, acting like that somehow he must be talking to others or we're above that or we're just innocent. And so he just walks on past us as, as we lie beaten and dying in our sins alongside the road. I mean, I would, I would argue with you that God has every right to do that but the bible says in romans chapter 5 when we were utterly helpless christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners he says now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were the enemy, while we were on the outside. Thank God, right? God has not treated us as we deserve because he sent Jesus for us. And if he has done that for us, the enemy, he's telling us we should do that for others as well. I mean, it's kind of the height of arrogance. It's just a total lack of gratitude. It's like we're, we're trying to take advantage of God that, that we would not seek to live as he wants us to live, as he created us to live. And he calls us to love our neighbors, whomever they are wherever we encounter them, whenever we run into them, whatever their need is, because God has done that for you and me. What does this have to do with serving? I mean, everything, everything. Serving is a way we love our neighbors, whether it's at work, you know, how can I help my coworker or my boss or someone I'm, who is a direct report or in our neighborhood or at our school or in our home or in and through our church. As part of the body of Christ, we do this together for others through the church. So whether it's, it's giving of our resources for our neighbors in Louisiana who are suffering an incredible 
horrific flood. And I hope perhaps you consider that. And you can also give online uh, through our website where it says you give and you can go in there and there's a place where you can choose um, disaster relief and, and do that as well online and through your mobile device. We can do it that way. That's a concrete way we serve. Or we can do it serving in Gateway Kids or our student ministry as, as a way to invest in the next generation and at the same time to free parents who perhaps haven't been exposed to the gospel of Christ very much to enable them to come into this setting and learn God and learn about him and come to trust him themselves so that they too can lead that forward in their own families. When you and I serve, it's not just simply a task or a convenience for somebody. It has eternal implications. We're here to, to love our neighbors as Jesus did for us, and, and we do that by serving. And serving isn't just a response. It's one of the ways that God grows us to become fully devoted followers of Christ, to become more and more like Jesus. And I promise you, there's some things that you will never learn or never experience or gain fullest insight into the life of following Christ unless you serve, period. We cannot follow Jesus and then not serve. Serving is not an option for Christ's followers, or we're taking God for granted. We're acting like the religious leader. We're totally ignoring our, our created design. We're here to love our neighbors, just as Jesus did. And we do that by serving. So as, as Jesse said at the end, near the end of the video, we need hundreds serving here every week, every week, to help our neighbors experience the love of God, to experience his grace. It's not a task to do, it's mission to be engaged in. Many of you do serve here faithfully, but many don't. Many of you don't. And if you don't, ultimately, it's worth asking God what he wants you to do not about me. It's about your relationship with God. And how does he want you to love your neighbors around you? If you're, if you're interested in exploring more of that, we have information on our website. It's on the back of your notes, the place where you can go to the find it and sign on, place that says sign on to serve. And you can check on that. If you're interested in Gateway Kids, Mandy Mauser, who leads that's going to be right after the service out in our next steps area and and great time to talk to her about opportunities because next week uh, is promotion Sunday for our kids it's a great start there's going to be training right after the 11 o'clock service they're going to even feed you to get you all set to go as a way to serve not so you can check it off your list but so you can live more and more like Jesus did who came not to be served, but to serve. I remember when I started serving in the youth ministry of, a, of the church I had begun attending, and in fact, through, in that church setting, I, I ended up committing my life to Jesus Christ. I, I, I didn't really want to do it all that much, quite honestly, in the beginning. It was easy not to. I had my own life. I had my own stuff going on. But I kind of felt like 
I owed God for what he'd been doing in my life, and so I started helping. The very first thing, in fact, that I helped with was a lock-in for 75 junior highs, and I am still here today. <laughs> See, it's not, it's not what you think. But, but I, I started making new friends, including students, and, and I started growing in my faith. I mean, one of the things I discovered is some of those students knew the Bible and knew more about Jesus than I did, and it drove me to investigate. They asked me questions that I had to think about answers. They lived out before me choices that I was not willing to make, and I had to ask myself why, and that's when I started growing. And eventually, I came to see that God was even using me to make a difference in their lives. I didn't see it at first. I thought I was just doing my job. But I came to see humbly that an imperfect specimen like me, who hardly knew the Bible, who hadn't been to church in years, could still be used by God, for his glory. I mean, honestly, it started out of guilt. But it ended up being one of the most transformative things God used to change me and to change my life. And, and quite honestly, I've looked back sometimes and wondered, why did I wait so long? Don't you take it so long. There's not a one of us in here who, who has committed our life to Christ for whom God cannot use and make a difference. And we get to be in on that. And we get to grow. And we get to experience his grace in ways that we will never experience any other way. That's why when we, we talk to you about serving, I mean, yeah, we got stuff we need to accomplish as a church. But honestly, it's because to love you means we need to help you become who God created you to be. And we are convinced, convicted, believe from the, from the bottom of our gut that getting you to serve is one of the ways God will work in your life. Maybe not the first week. Maybe not the way you expect. In fact, I would challenge you that it probably will not be what you expect. He will probably not give you what you're asking for. I, in fact, I negotiated with God to, to receive a contract that would give me $40,000 of income. That was part of my deal with God when I started serving. Remember, I said it started out of guilt but it was also greed, and I never got that, and I'm so glad. That's what God wants to do in your life, and it drives me nuts that I can't, I wish I could just open up my heart to you, and you could just sense what God wants to say to you of how valuable it is for you, for the sake of the kingdom, 
but I can't do it for you. Only you can. But I want to tell you on my daily prayer list, one of the things that's on there is servanthood. And I pray every day that our church would increasingly mirror the servanthood nature of Jesus Christ so that we can change this world, so we can experience God's best. I hope, I pray that for you. Because I know God wants that for you. Our prayer team will be down here if you want to talk with any of them. They'd, they'd love to pray with you. And there'll be folks out there if you want to talk. Uh, myself, will be. I'll be over here with some friends. And if you're new, to, new here, we'd love to say hello to you as well. Because all of this is all for the same thing. It's all for how do we help all of us become more and more like Jesus. Because at its core, my fundamental conviction is that's how God created you and me to live. Let's pray. God, thank you for each person here. Man, you made each, each of us so unique, so special. And, and yet, Father, so often we look at ourselves and we compare ourselves to somebody else or we, we imagine what we can't do versus what you created us to do and what through your spirit you will do through us. Father, help us not to listen to Satan, get distracted and distort your words but help us go back to your created purpose, your created design, that we were created in your image. And we were created not to be served, but to serve, just like Jesus. Because that helps us live out our life with purpose and meaning. That helps us make a difference. That helps us be a part of your transformation of this world. God, that's the coolest thing that could be. As exciting as it is to get a lot of money or even to, to win an Olympic gold medal, which we've seen a lot of these last two weeks. Father, we've heard stories of those who won those same gold medals who a week later have found that that's not what fulfilled them. It gave them a focus for a while but it didn't fulfill. Only you can do that, Father. Help us to believe that, to accept that, to live that, starting right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. See you all next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.